Good morning. That sign for most of us is quite appealing, isn't it? Made fresh daily. Hardy's biscuits are made from scratch on a daily basis. Fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, some burger restaurants. These are not frozen patties, but they're fresh patties. Uh, fresh, made fresh daily. There's something about that sign that's appealing to us. Did you know that God makes something fresh every day? God has to make this fresh every single day. The prophet Jeremiah spoke about this in Lamentations 3. And he said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are what? New every morning. Made fresh daily. Great, great is your what? Your faithfulness. His mercies never end. They are made every morning. They are made fresh daily. It must take a whole lot of mercy to keep this world going. Don't you? I mean, if he has to make it every single day so that it never runs out. I know he has to use a lot of it on me, all right? But the lot of mercy that he absolutely makes fresh every single day that we have that greatest is faithfulness. Some of you are here today and you're struggling. It was just a struggle for you to be here. I understand that. Some things going on in your life that just seems like it's a mess. There's some mistakes you made, some poor choices, some poor decisions. It's hurt people around you. It's hurt yourself, and you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out how to fix it. What you need today is a fresh mercy from God. I just want to encourage you today to receive that from the Lord today, this fresh mercy that God wants to give you. It's easy for us to understand how God will bless us and take care of us when we're faithful to him, right? When we're doing all the right things, when we're obedient, when we are uh, walking in faith, we kind of expect for God to do those things for us. As I was listening to Bill give the communion devotional day, it reminds me of how God, though, takes care of us. Grace, forgiveness, mercy, things we cannot fix, the things we cannot figure out. In our greatest need, our greatest struggle, the messes we make, the mistakes we make, that's when God shows up, doesn't he? And he gives us this fresh, daily dose of mercy that's there. And it reminds me of what Paul told Titus. He said, look, God saved us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. It's, it's not that God loves me more when I'm doing good, and he loves me less when I'm not performing right. But God loves me so much, no matter what, that regardless of what I'm doing, he saved me, not because of any righteous thing that I've done, but because of what? His great mercy. He didn't change the rules after we're saved. Because God's mercy is still there. It's the power. It's the beauty of mercy. It's a gift from God. When we make the wrong turn, we make the wrong decisions, when we find ourselves not doing the righteous thing, God has for you a fresh daily mercy for you today. And you need to receive that. You see, God understands that we cannot live under the burden of guilt and shame by ourselves. We cannot do that because if we do that, we enter condemnation. And in a spirit of condemnation, we cannot be successful. We cannot accomplish anything. And I'm just here to tell you today, if you're here before the Lord, 
and you're filled with guilt and shame, we, we need to understand what God wants to do for you there with, with his mercy, with that guilt and shame. What is guilt? Guilt is what I have done. What is shame? Shame is what I feel. And failure is what I need to correct, if I'm willing to correct it. But see, on this, all three of those, either one, can bring us down, can it? And it, it's, it's a burden for us. The guilt that's there for what I've done, the shame for what I feel, and the failure. I feel disqualified. I don't feel like what you're talking about today in worship I could ever be part of because of the mess I made in my life. And it's all there. So what we need for that is to receive something, and God gives us that mercy. And what we need to receive is that what's called mercy that he's given unto us. If you stay in your guilt, always burdened down by what you've done and the shame that you feel for it, and feeling like you're a failure and you can never move away from it, you'll be under a spirit of condemnation. And that spirit of condemnation will absolutely destroy you. And here's what people mostly do with it. What they mostly do with it is they do a self-imposed punishment because of the guilt, the shame, the failure. In their mind, they come up with some sort of punishment that they think is adequate enough for what they've done. And they live under that self-imposed punishment or exile. It's condemnation. And then other people become self-absorbed by it. I I'll figure this out. When I once I I'll work this out. Once I take care of this, once I fix this, once I figure it out, then, I then I'll be okay with God again. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And so it's self-absorption. It's the idea that you can figure it out and that you can fix it. And so somehow or another, you're going to figure out and fix your guilt and your shame, and you're going to correct your course on your own. You're not. You can't fix it. You can't figure it out. This is not something you can get for yourself. This is something without the mercy of God that's going to continue to condemn you. And God knows that. And God says, that's why my mercies are new every morning. Mercy for your guilt. Mercy for your shame. And to move forward in your failure to correct and move on by the grace of God and mercy of God. Amen? And this is what the promise of God is for us all the time, to receive that fresh dose of mercy. So I'm going to fix it. I'm going to figure it out. And what you do is you isolate yourself. And you pull away from people who could help you, other Christians. You pull away from the word of God. You pull away from praying to God. And you find yourself isolated and under the accusation of the accuser, under the accusation of your own heart and thoughts, and other people, you think other people are now accusing you. And it's a miserable way to live, isn't it? And all along, God says, that's not what I've called you to do. In fact, in Hebrews 4, it says this. I want you to approach my throne of grace with what? With confidence. You're my child. You, are, you belong to me. I want you to come to my throne of grace with confidence so that you may do what? Receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. That's what God wants you to do. God knows you can't fix it. God knows you can't figure it out. God knows the mess you're making. Do you think God knows how to get you out of it? And this is what he's saying. Bring it before me. Bring it to me. And I'll give you that fresh dose of mercy. Will you do that today? One word, as I was looking at this verse for the last couple weeks, just jumped off the page to me. I love this about the word of God being living and active, don't you? Sometimes it's there, you never see, and all of a sudden it just kind of hits you. It's the word receive. I come before God in prayer with confidence so that I may receive his mercy. 
I got to thinking how often we use the word get in our spiritual talk. Did you get anything out of the lesson today? Did you get anything out of the song service today? Did you get your prayers answered? Did you get your healing? Did you get your anointing? Did you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Get, get, get. Get is a word that means effort. God didn't say approach the throne of grace with confidence so you can get mercy. What's the word he uses? Don't miss it. It's a gift. Not by anything you've done. Are you with me? It's a gift. Receive God's mercy and find grace in time. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to fix it on your own. You're going to find yourself further and further away from God. What you need to do today, receive that brand new, freshly made supply of mercy. Receive it. So after you pray to God about it, thank you, God, I now receive your mercy and your grace. Your mercy and your grace. I think a great example of God's mercy is Jonah. What a great story. God comes to the prophet Jonah and says, go to Nineveh and preach repentance. God expects to show mercy if that repentance comes through. Jonah runs away from God, doesn't he? He goes in the opposite direction. He wants no part of this. No way am I preaching this gospel to my enemy. No way am I going to Nineveh. So he disobeys God. And I just wonder when he makes that poor choice. And incidentally, if you don't know this by now, if you try to run away from God, it's always a bad decision. Okay, it's a poor choice. And I don't know if he had that uneasy feeling in his stomach of maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Or he had some warning signs, well, maybe I should obey, and he, he just kind of blew by them. Whatever, Jonah finds himself on an opposite direction running away from God to do the very opposite thing that God called him to do. Well, you know the story, don't you? He gets on the boat, going the opposite direction on the sea, and about that time a storm just so happens to rise up. And the storm causes great damage, and the boat and the sailors on the boat think they're going to sink. And so they're trying to figure out what in the world they can do to save the boat and finally go to Jonah. And Jonah says, it's me. If you throw me overboard, he's already given up. If throw me overboard, everything's going to be okay. Those guys didn't hesitate. They didn't draw straws. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure, we'll throw you overboard. Threw him right overboard. Now, all of a sudden, here's Jonah in this storm, Right? But I also think about the unsurpassing greatness of God's authority. God was with Jonah. He had control of the boat. He had control of the sailors. He had control of the sea. He had control of the fish. He had a control of the plant. He had control of the worm. He had control of Nineveh. Nothing comes close to the authority of God. And when God wants to show mercy to you, Nothing will stand in his way. Do you believe that? So here's Jonah, given up, thrown overboard, now in the depths of the sea, and he's just despairing. Okay, looks like it's over with. I mean, I'm drowning here. It's all my fault. I brought it on myself. There's no fixing this one. Throw me overboard. You'll be saved. I won't be okay. I, I don't think for one moment in his mind Jonah thought that the submarine was going to appear to you. And here he is drowning in that sea, like some of you today, drowning in your despair, being pulled under by your guilt, swallowed by your sin. Drifting and tossed by your worry and your stress and your fear. 
repercussions of what you've done. It's just pulling you under. It's just pulling you under, and you think it's over with. There's no fixing this. There's no getting over this mess. There's nothing I can do. And then all of a sudden, like God, like Jonah, God sends a whale. He sends a fish. That great big fish out of nowhere to swallow him. And he stays in that belly of that fish for three days and three nights. And this Jonah who was running from God now runs to God. And just does what we need to do when we find ourselves in that situation. Quit trying to fix it. Quit trying to figure it out. Lord, this is my mess. Let me receive your mercy. I need your grace in this time of need. And that's exactly what Jonah did. He ran to God and prayed, God, you threw me in here. I think you banished me from your sight. Get me out of this pit. Get the seaweed out of my hair. I mean, he's very specific in his prayer, right? Show mercy to me. Bring me out of this. Salvation belongs to you. And he, he brings it to God in prayer, doesn't he? He begins to run with God. And you know what he discovers? God commands that fish that had swallowed him to spit him up on dry land. Now, he gets there looking pretty ugly. <laughs> Seaweed in his hair, kind of bleached from all the acids in the belly, probably. And, and the whale and the big fish doesn't just drop him off. He vomits him on, so he's still in the mess. He's still looking bad, but guess what? He's on dry land again. And right now, it may look like a mess for you. You may just say, oh, man, this is just, I don't know how it's going to work out. Listen, God has sent you your submarine. God's going to do something to help you because guess what? Every day he makes a fresh supply of mercy for you to receive. And that's what's there and available. And it'd be great if this story ended right here, wouldn't it? But the story goes on, doesn't it? But the story goes on and tells us that once he's now vomited back on the land, God's not through with him. God didn't say, well, you messed up. I'm not going to use you again. It says that the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The first time the word of the Lord came to Jonah was, Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. The second time the word of the Lord came to Jonah, it was, go to Nineveh and preach. The word of the Lord did not change. Same message, same command. But I love that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a what? A second time. This might be your second time today. This story of Jonah, you've heard all your life. This might be the day that this is your second word. Let the story refresh you, the mercy that God wants to send. And this time, Jonah listens. The word did not change. Who changed? Jonah changed. Jonah changed. A few years ago, a person came up and said, David, you're just not the preacher you used to be. I'm just not getting anything out of your lessons anymore. Thank you for the encouragement. Just hit the door. That's what I want to say, you know, but just not get anything out of it. I go, Mike, I'm sitting there. It was really bothered me, you know. So what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? You know, later on found out the person was going through a lot of conflict in his life. Once he got that resolved, all of a sudden I was a good preacher again. So if you don't like me today, guess what? <laughs> Second word. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But it's interesting how often our approach to the word of God the word of God is the same. It never changes. But the reason why it's alive and active is because we're always changing. Jonah's changed. Word of God comes, he obeys the word of the Lord. He goes and preaches. For, says, 40 more days, 
40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And he continues to preach and he sows the word. And he continues to preach and sow the word. The Ninevites believe God. And when God saw what they had did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. The destruction he had threatened. It's the same word, same message. Word didn't change. Jonah did. Jonah obeyed. And he ran now with God. After running from God, he runs to God in prayer. And now he's running with God. And here is the God's mercy just flowing. The great mercy that Jonah had received. And now God using Jonah to extend his mercy to thousands of people in that city. And they receive the mercy of God as well. And this is another great ending for this story. But the story doesn't end here either, does it? About the mercy of God. The story doesn't end here. It should. But notice Jonah's reaction. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became what? Angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still home? This is what I tried to prevent by running to Tarshish. I knew that you're gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So he speaks the very truth about God. A God who loves us, a God who shows compassion, who God who wants us, who delights in showing us mercy, who wants to give us a fresh supply of mercy every day. And Jonah says, I knew you were like that. And I knew as, I, as soon as I was going to preach that word that you're going to bring mercy to the ones I don't want you to bring mercy to. Oh, Jonah was great in receiving God's great mercy, right? He was more than happy to receive that mercy. But he didn't want God to show mercy to the people he didn't feel like deserve that mercy. I think about this a lot. And I think about what God wants us to do with mercy. The reason why God's mercy has to be every single day is because it takes a lot of us. A lot of us to ever understand this point that God's mercy is not just about us. That God shows mercy to us so that we will show mercy to others. We receive mercy from God so that others can receive mercy from us. And what God is telling me is, David, I've given you a great amount of mercy in your life. I expect you to show a lot of mercy to others. I know what you're thinking. You don't know what you're asking of me, David. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm not asking anything of you. I'm not telling you anything. I'm just telling you that God has commanded me to be more merciful in my life. And the next time I think someone doesn't deserve mercy, he's going to remind me, well, what kind of mercy did I give you? What kind of mercy did I give you? And in fact, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 7. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall what? They will be shown mercy. They will be shown mercy. God is telling us, you receive mercy, you give that mercy to somebody else. God will never make you show mercy to someone else any greater than the mercy he's shown to you. He will never ask you to show mercy that's greater to someone else than the mercy that he's extended to you. This is what he does. And that's why Paul says God is so rich in mercy mercy. It takes a lot of mercy, not just to save us and keep this world going, 
but he has to be rich in mercy to help us, every one of us, to overcome our anger towards someone, to be able to forgive someone that we don't feel like deserves to be forgiven, to get over those conflicts, to let go of those confrontations, to, to understand that sometimes we have to let go of our pride and our stubbornness and our rebelliousness in order to be merciful to someone else. And this is what God has called us to do. And it takes a rich amount of mercy to do that. And this is why Christ died for us. So let's be like Jonah when he ran to God and when he ran with God. But let's not be like Jonah when he runs away from God and when he finds himself running against God because he feels like certain people don't deserve the same mercy that he got. Are you with me? And this is, that's a tough one. I didn't get too many amens on that one, so yeah. You didn't want to be hypocrite? So what about me, though? I didn't do anything wrong. I'm a victim of what someone did to me. I mean, I understand God showing mercy towards those I don't think deserve mercy. I understand God giving mercy to them, but what does he do for me? I mean, I suffered the abuse. I suffered the bitterness, the anger. I suffered the addictions. I went through all those things. What about the, the, the aspect of my life of where there's betrayal and rejection and all those things that come with it? How does God deal with me? What if I'm the victim of this? Great news, folks. God's mercy is for you too, fresh every day, and you won't get through without God's mercy. You don't want to turn to a bitter person, do you? God can take anything, even if you're the victim of someone else. God can use that for great things. I think of Abraham and Sarah, who God said, you'll have a child, a promised child. Years go by, years go by. They do not have the child. And so Abraham and Sarah come up with a very poor decision, very poor choice. And they said, you know what, let's get this servant named Hagar, and Abraham, you get with her, and y'all have a child. And they have a child. And the child's name is Ishmael. Oh, this is the chosen one that God met. Year after year after year, Ishmael seen as the chosen child, the one that God had given Abraham and Sarah through Hagar. He, he's the chosen one. Years later, God comes up and says, that was your plan, not mine. I never said that. You tried to fix it on your own. You tried to figure it out on your own. That was a bad plan. I'm sticking to my original plan. My original word to you is I'm going to bless you. And guess what? I'm going to bless you. And Sarah laughed about it, remember? They're a lot older now. So I'm going to bless you. And less than a year later, here comes Isaac. Isaac's years younger than Ishmael. Ishmael looks at the boy and just makes fun of him, bullies him. Sarah's seeing this. Uh, that, that conflict in the family just rises because of the poor decision that, that Abraham and Sarah had made. Now uh, Hagar and Ishmael are involved in this, aren't they? Sarah looks, and each day goes by, and each day goes by, and she sees Ishmael and his leadership, and Isaac's kind of wilting under it. She says, Abraham, Hagar, and Ishmael have to pack their bags and go right now. Abraham says, I don't want to do that. This is my son. This is my son. I, I'm not going to do that. But he finally agrees. You know what he did? This rich, wealthy Abraham, a friend of God who had tons of money and tons of stuff, you know what he did? He gave her a canteen and a little bit of food. That's all he gave her. Her and Ishmael, and sent Hagar and Ishmael out into the desert on their own, never come back. 
Here's your little bit of food and a little bit of drink. You talk about unfair. You talk about a victim. Hagar had nothing to do. There was, this was not in her scope. It was, it was a bad decision on the part of Abraham and Sarah, and she suffered for it. And here's Hagar, and the boy's about to die. She puts him under a bush. Now imagine running out of water, running out of food, and goes a little bit further over to the side and sits on a rock. Absolutely believing everybody's forgotten about her, abandoned her, sees no purpose in what's taking place. It's just totally unfair, isn't it? Angel appears before her and says, you take that boy's hand, you lift him up and start walking to your journey. I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation. You see, Abraham and Sarah forgot about her, cast her off, sent her packing. God didn't. God never left her. God never abandoned her. And there, God took care of her. And I think about that story. Maybe you're there right day today. Maybe others have thrown you overboard. Maybe someone sent you years after years and years packing on your way with very little supplies. And you're wondering, what in the world did I do to deserve this? Nothing. You're a victim of someone else's sin. You're the victim of someone else's poor choices and consequences. But you don't have to live that way because you're a child of God. And God will not forget you. God is with you on your journey. And God, every single day of your life, will give you fresh mercy for your journey. Do you believe that? Will you receive that? And this is what God is telling us, that all these things come to us. And that we need to understand fresh is his mercy every single day. Will you receive his mercy today? It's for everyone who will come to him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's a great mercy. God wants in his riches of his mercy to give you a fresh supply of mercy today so you leave encouraged by his word and strengthened by his word and have courage through his word and to see yourself for the way you are and who you are and to be that one that runs to and runs with God and realizes that God is with us with every step of the way. Will you receive that mercy? Take a big dose of it and then will you go out and give that mercy to someone today? Will you share that mercy with someone in your home? Will you share it with your wife, with your children? Will you share it at the restaurant when the person's too slow to serve you today? Will you share it in traffic when people give you all sorts of hand signals along the way? Will you share it with your neighbor? Will you share it by making a phone call you need to make today to resolve a situation? Will you share it by making a visit that needs to be made with someone who needs that healing? Will you have that conversation that you've been avoiding? Will you take the richness of God's mercy that he's pouring out on you today and let it flow through you and show that mercy to someone else? That's what God wants us to do. And when we do that, when we do that, we experience the power and the beauty of that made fresh daily mercy of God. Let's partake of it today. Let's stand together and sing a song of invitation.